Welcome to Word of Grace, the local assembly in the Berkshires. Thank you for joining us for this time in the Word. Okay, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, this is what it says. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That is the verse in the original. I've said it before. If you see another translations, cross it out. It's not in the original. So there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Then I'm going to read Acts 13. Acts 13, 39. And by him, all that believe are justified. That's a key word are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now, what's the thing that would bring condemnation? It would be the breaking of a law. You would be condemned, and thereby you would be considered guilty. But this makes it very clear to the believer that by him, all that believe... In other words, that have received Christ as, as their Savior, are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. And how many times us, our position is in Christ, but when we get into our experience and when we fail, do we try to do something to gain back what we thought we lost? And that would just be a law, wouldn't it? <laughs> and all the law would do would be to condemn us. Now, in a few more verses, in Romans 3, verse 24 says this. Well, look at verse 23. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of, of God. How many? All. Verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has set forth or in other words the Greek says is foreordained a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission or the Greek would say the passing over of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, God himself might be just, when he declares us perfectly righteous through Jesus Christ's righteousness, and the justifier of him that which believes in Jesus. And then in Romans 4, verse 25, this is what it says, Well, let's look at verse 24 and then 25. It says, But for us also, to whom it will be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses, right? Delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. That statement there settles every single issue about guilt. Because when we talk about justification, 
we are talking about salvation. And when we talk about justification, it clearly brings out this fact. If you could say to a believer, you might say, are you born again? But you could also say, are you guiltless? Because that's what justification refers to. Are you guiltless? Are you guiltless? Now, Romans 8, verse 1, where it says, There is therefore now no condemnation. When you condemn someone, when the law condemns someone, when they break the law, what do they become? Guilty. 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 That's what happens to someone who breaks the law. That's why when David, in Psalm 51, in his uh, penitential prayer, he would say in the 14th verse, he would always say this, Lord, deliver me from blood guiltiness. And what he was saying is, is what we have in Hebrews 9, verse 14. I want to read what Hebrews 9, verse 14 says. And Hebrews 9, verse 14, says this. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot, or the Greek says without fault, <coughs> to God, purge your conscience from dead works? What are dead works? Then it says to serve the living God. So to be in Christ, what does it mean? Why does the Holy Spirit convict us? And he convicts us in John 16, verse 13. And what does it say? He guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit is not only our guide, but he's the seal. He is the proof that we are guiltless because Jesus Christ has dealt with it. Because what is guilt? We, we, I, we, I, I shared some of this this morning. But what is guilt? Guilt is an effect of sin. When you sin against God, you become what? Guilty. But see, but Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, first and foremost, he died for us, right? He died as us, right? That's what he did. He died as us. Mm -hmm. He couldn't change who we were in our sin nature, so he crucified it and buried it. And then he paid for our sins, all those that would receive him as their substitute. In paying for their sins, they would thus become reconciled to God. So, is it right, is it right then, that we should agree with Acts 13, 39? That he that believes in Jesus Christ is just justified from some things. 
justified. But guiltless of all, because Christ is my life. Colossians 3, verse 4, Christ is my life. Because Colossians 3, 3, it says, you died. In other words, the moment we receive Christ, we receive the fact that we died with him. And what did he leave in the grave after paying for all of our sins? Not only the sins themselves, but all the effects and an effect of condemnation or sin is what? Guilt. And we have been justified. So in God's courtroom, we, when we appear in God's courtroom, who do we have as our retaining lawyer? It's Jesus Christ. It's, it, that's who he is. He is our advocate. He is our lawyer in God's courtroom. And because of that, and because he's dealt with every single thing that would come between God and us, and he is our very life. And by the way, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is proof that we are guiltless. That we have literally been justified from all things. Now that's why David would say in Psalm 51 verse 14, deliver me from blood guiltiness. In other words, his conscience was constantly condemning him. Yes, he, he would bring the sacrifices. He would do that in obedience to the law. And in that sense, God would, and we see in Micah 7, 18, who is a God like unto you that passes by transgressions? He's not looking at them. And he's buried them in this 19th verse of Micah 7 in the sea of his forgetfulness. Remember, we've said before in Job 14, verse 17, it's that Job said, he has sealed up my iniquity in a bag. Right? It's an anthro propathism and, and, and a truth that, that God is revealing in terms of covering our sin. See, everything about the mercy seat was that it was covered until Jesus Christ, who was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the earth in God's mind in Revelations 13, verse 8, he would come born of a woman under the law to redeem them that were under the law. And then all that bag of Job's that was covered and everything that the mercy seat, that, that Hebrew word kaporeth, to cover over, would now be put on him. And he would become what? What would Jesus Christ become? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he, God the Father, made him, the Son, the sin sacrifice for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So what is he teaching? He made him to be guilty in our stead because of what was put on him, all of our sins. And he removed them in Psalm 103 verse 12 as far as the east 
is from the west. We've said before, go in a circle and keep going east and tell me when you can stop. Then stop and go west and see where they meet. As far as the east is from the west. And what we're speaking of when we speak of that verse is the eternal mind of God. Can he find them? Can he find us guilty? Can he, he, okay, if we believe that he paid for us and so I sin in time, right? Is guilt attached to me? Okay, if you don't pay your electric bill, right? You're going to be guilty of not paying it. But once you pay it, in the beginning of the month, are you going to worry about it in the middle and or the end of the month? You're going to worry and feel guilty that maybe you didn't pay it, Ooh. right? Not if you really paid it. Not if you really paid it. There's, you're free. You're free to enjoy the lights. We're free to enjoy the truth the revelation and illumination of the light that Jesus Christ has not only paid for all my sins, he's and justification is a declarative statement of God. Listen to me. It's not based upon grace, by the way. It's based upon perfect righteousness satisfied. Then grace is released. So God is perfectly, and you'll see that, in, in Romans 3, 24 and 25 and 26. He is completely just in declaring us to be perfectly righteous. And himself, for all the Old Testament sins, and passing over them, because they would in time be put on Jesus Christ and dealt with. Now their faith, the whole time through the sacrifices, their faith looked forward to the cross. Our faith looks back to the cross, and guess where we all meet? At the cross. And the cross is the declarative statement of the love of God that there is no guilt in you and I any more than there is in his son. And he would have to disregard the very life of his son that was laid down for him to find a speck of guilt in us. Now, is there conviction? Yes. Why does the Holy Spirit convict us? So that we don't live in false condemnation, thereby living in a second of guilt. There's no guilt. Jesus Christ, the resurrection, is the proof that we are guiltless. The seal of the Holy Spirit is the proof that we are absolutely guilt-free. So if you say to someone, are you born again? Or in other words, are you justified? Has God declared you to be perfectly righteous based upon you receiving Jesus Christ in your stead, thereby being guilt-free? Are you guilt-free? You could ask someone, instead of even saying to them, are you born again? You could say, literally, are you guilt-free? Are you guilt-free? There's therefore now no condemnation 
and thereby no guilt attached to them that are in Christ Jesus. Is Christ Jesus guilty of not paying for any one of our sins when we received him as our sacrifice? So how could God then see guilt in you and I? I mean, if Christ is my life, and the last time I checked my Bible, he is, then is there any guilt in that life? You see, listen, we are not to attach our condition and our feelings to the truth of our position in Christ. It's a lie from the devil. It is. And that is because, and Myron brought it up, he is the accuser of the brethren in Revelations 12, verse 10. He's got the whole world in 12, 9 deceived. They're just completely deceived. That's right, but we're not. And so because we're not, he wants to accuse us by saying, you, he may have paid for it, but because you did it, you're guilty. Well, okay. Maybe I didn't pay my electric bill this month, but Myron did. It's paid in full. Am I guilty if he paid it? No, and neither are you and I. There is no guilt. We're not under a law. We live in a new law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of what? Sin and death, which amounts to condemnation and guilt. And me living in the lie that, that I'm guilty, now i got to try and do something about it when it's already been what? Done. It's called the finished work. In John 19, verse 30. I mean, it's finished. Did he leave one thing undone? Could there have been, could the fact that he have been resurrected if he left one thing undone? Remember what he said in John 4, verse 34? My meat, my very sustenance, is to do the will of him that sent me and to what? To finish the work. Is it finished? That's right. Listen. He used death. He used the very life of Christ, used death to separate, because that's what death means, to separate you and I from guilt. Condemnation and guilt. Then he was raised again. What does it say? is our life. We have a life that's above every single thing. Christ seated at the right hand of the Father, seated there above, is the perfect definition of who we are in the Father's complete, eternal satisfaction. I mean, he is satisfied with you and I. And even when we get chastised, what's the chastisement for? What is it for? Because we're guilty? Or because a loving Father is disciplining us right back into functioning in who we are in Christ and our position. Thereby, now, my condition, my state, lines up with my position. Because 
as long as I live in the lie of guilt, can I have fellowship with the Father and the Son? No. And to be guilty, to feel guilty, is what? From Satan. And to keep me living in the flesh. And when I'm in the flesh, what's the, what's the flesh always trying to do? It always needs a law that it thinks it can try to do something in terms of living up to, but all that does is it bring out the sin in me. That's all it does. And it keeps me in this bondage and in a place where he can condemn me through a lie. Because does God condemn me? Is there any condemnation to them that are in Christ? None. The justice of God can only do one of two things. And remember, before we could experience the love that the Father had for us, his justice, which is a combination of his righteousness and his integrity, had to be dealt with. And let me tell you, it was dealt with by Jesus Christ. He not only died for us, he died as us. He condemned and crucified the sin nature and paid for all of our sins. Are we justified from all things? And to be justified in Acts 13, 39 means to be what? Declared guilt-free by God the Father. So, do we want to live and his thoughts towards us? Or do we want to tr live in our thoughts and, and, and allow our condition to condition how we believe that God thinks about us? Boy, we are free. Gala and we'll close with this. Galatians 5.1 in the King James says, Stand fast in the liberty where Christ has made you free and be not again entangled to a yoke of bondage. You know what the Greek says? I'll tell you what it says. For freedom's sake, Christ has set you free, so be free. Free from what? Condemnation and guilt. Free from sin? I, I'm free from even confession in 1 John 1, 9. What am I confessing? The Greek word homologeo, to cite and name and agree with God that that is not who I am and it's been dealt with by Jesus Christ. That brings in, in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10, a godly sorrow never ever to change our mind about, never to be repented of, it says. It's a godly sorrow and there's a lot, there's beauty in that. There's beauty in it. God convicts through the Holy Spirit so that we won't be condemned and so that we won't live in the effects of, of condemnation, which is guilt, which is a lie from Satan to keep us from receiving continually who we are in Christ with fellowship with the Father. So Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the, the precious, uh, the, the prayers the, the beautiful prayers, the beautiful songs. Thank you, Lord, tonight for what the thoughts and the word that you gave Myron. And we just thank you, Father. And thank you that when we think with your thoughts towards ourselves, 
and we think with your thoughts towards you that we can live in the complete rest and satisfaction of who we are in Christ. Because your view of us is nothing short than your perfect satisfaction and love of your Son. So we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening in. We hope you were blessed and God was glorified. Feel free to go to our website at awordofgrace.org for daily posts and teachings.